Good evening. We are recording our first episode today at my home at 521 Harris Street. I'm with Benjamin Lee, also known as Iminje. And today he'll be talking about his experiences dealing with mental health, drugs, and other problems that he's had during his life. So I've known Iminje since we were childhood friends living in Homebush. This was about eight years ago, roughly in about 2014. In between, I haven't talked to Ben in a while, but we've since reconnected earlier this year. And yeah, so first of all, why don't we get Ben to introduce ourselves? Hello, so my name is Ben, also known as Inijet. Yeah, so today is our first episode for our podcast. And basically, we plan on talking about some of the past experiences that I've had in my life. And hopefully, through the sharing of my experiences, you guys can all learn something new and yeah, be entertained at the same time. So, yeah. And first of all, for background, I think the reason why we decided to start this channel was to create more awareness around mental health, especially this day and age, especially after COVID. Many people are suffering day to day, and I think it's a good platform to share our own experiences and also our past traumas. So I hope you enjoy the show, and any feedback later on would be highly appreciated. So yeah, let's go, Ben. Okay, so pretty much, uh, I think I should start off with a little bit of a brief introduction about myself. I was born in South Korea in 2003, on the 23rd of January and I came to Australia, Melbourne, Australia in 2007 with my parents and I stayed there for about a year and eventually moved to Sydney where I have been living my whole life ever since 2007 and yeah when I was younger everything was going well, everything seemed fine and when I started school I was very, I was excelling in school and I made it into high school eventually and that's when things started to take a turn for the worst. So I was a Christian growing up as a child and that obviously means that I would used to go to church and the people in my church when I was younger weren't the best sort of crowd to be around and eventually I ended up doing drugs. I started off with just a little bit of cigarettes and then that turned into smoking weed and then smoking, sorry not smoking but doing ecstasy and then doing a bit of coke and eventually it all went spiraling down into dealing drugs and I first, I had my first episode of psychosis back in 2019 and when I had my psychosis that was a really hard time for me because yeah, I'm not sure if you guys know much about psychosis, but when you have psychosis, you experience many symptoms. Me, I mainly experienced delusions along with hallucinations, auditory and visual hallucinations. And yeah, basically I just lost touch with reality. And I think the most valuable lesson that I could really teach you guys from my experiences with drugs and just like a bad lifestyle is that Sometimes you can't expect much in life or you can't really see what is gonna what is gonna be ahead of you in life. So you should always try to make the best choices. And quite frankly, I don't think I made the best choices when I was younger, which is why I ended up getting psychosis, psycho psychosis and 
all these mental illnesses. I wasn't just psychotic, I was depressed, I had anxiety, and yeah. So, it's a little bit about myself, and yeah. Very wise words. So before we move further, so when did your first episode start? Like, when was your first experience with drugs? Okay, so my first experience with drugs was probably back in 2013 or 2012, when I was about 13 years old. Yeah, so that was on the first, on the year when I first tried smoking cigarettes, it was also the year that I tried smoking weed. And then a year later in 2014 would be when I started experimenting with other drugs, yeah. So you started smoking first, then doing weed, and then doing other drugs. That's right. What? So I think, I think yeah. when they say that weed is a gateway drug, as a young person, yeah. you should really be more careful with even cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah, the media might tell you that cigarettes aren't that bad. Well, they're not as bad as weed, but you should really be careful of, of like many different things because it's like life. Life isn't just one thing. It's many different things that combine together to, be, to create what's called life. I think drug safety and yeah, just overall well-being also ties together into many things, yeah. yeah. And when you did those drugs, what was going through your mind? That's a good question. So, actually, when I was younger, I thought that because I was Christian, I didn't really have any problems with anything that I, that I was going to do in life. So that, that means, let's just say, if... I was to do drugs because I was Christian I thought that I would be innocent and I wouldn't necessarily be sinning that that sort of compelled me to do more drugs later on and yeah that also made me argue with my parents a lot as I grew older yeah and I tried to always convince my parents which was really useless because that wouldn't really work but I thought there was a way for me to somehow win the arguments because the part of me thought that God was on my side and all that sort of stuff. So after experiencing all these drugs, smoking and doing all those other things, how has your relationship with God changed in any way, if it has? Yeah, there's many people out there that I don't really want to talk to this sort of topic about because they see a different side of me because of what I've said to them in the past and I haven't really stayed in touch with them. So it's going to be like the first time really opening up about this topic to a lot of people or like the public in general. So I guess after this, after all the experiences of drugs and mental illness and everything that I've experienced in the past, my experience of God has really changed in a profound. Many of my beliefs are very, what's the word for it, are very traditional. So many people when they say they're religious, they usually mean they're either from Christian background or like Muslim background, Islamic background. But for me, I was originally from Christian background. Um, I so Ben, how has your experiences in the past with drugs and smoking affected or changed your relationship with God? Yeah, so it's actually changed my relationship with God in many ways. So I actually. I'm not really religious anymore, but I still do believe that there is a God somewhere out there. And yeah, so if I was to explain how it really changed, I think I should explain to you what my new beliefs are. And what I really believe now is that, yeah, there, there is a God out there. And I believe that God has created humans in an equal manner. They can, they have freedom of choice. They can lead a good life. 
or they can lead a bad life. And the thing about people having free choice and being able to lead good lives or bad lives, to me is a bit, it's a bit, it's not incorrect, but there's a few things I like to add on to that point. And some of those things that I like to add on is that I, when I was recovering from my mental illness, I didn't really see how bad people can become good or vice versa. Because for a good person or a bad person to become the counterpart, it was an act of what they weren't or what they wouldn't be, what they shouldn't be capable of doing. And that was really hard for me to really grasp. And that really changed my views about religion a lot. And so now I really believe that like, although we, we may be able to change our lives when we're bad to a good lifestyle and if we're good to a bad lifestyle, I feel like originally that can't be the case. And the reason why it's possible in our world is because God wants us to give that, God wants to give us that freedom of being able to live our lives how we want to live our lives. Yeah, and pretty much what I discovered is that because humans can't actually originally be good or bad and become the counterpart, I thought a lot about why that's or how that's possible in our life. And I came to figure out that maybe maybe life is just a simulation or something like that and yeah maybe there's like another world out there where we were originally born or created and in that world we get to choose what kind of a life we want to live in an alternate universe and yeah i feel like earth or the universe that we're living in right now is an alternate universe and in this alternate universe you can choose to live either a bad life a good life and you can even be born as bad and then change your ways to become good and yeah i hope that really answers your question a bit yeah yeah that was good that was good all right ben so we've scratched the surface about your drug life drug experiences how you started and all that but obviously a lot has happened in between since you first started in 2013 and until now 2022 so Maybe for the audience, like you'd like to dig a little deeper about what you've encountered, what you've experienced during this nine year period. Yeah, during the nine years, a lot has happened. And yeah, if I was to break it down bit by bit, yeah, obviously I think I should start at the beginning. So after doing drugs for the first time, the main impact that I saw that had, that, that I had had in my life was the relationship between my parents got a lot worse or it got it got got damaged because it wasn't really that that bad to begin with but yeah it got damaged a lot because when i was a young child i was very innocent and my parents knew very well that i was innocent and i don't think my immigrant parents could have ever imagined or expected me their lovely child to ever deal with drugs and fall into that sort of cycle of doing drugs and yeah ever since my parents started being with me and saying that I shouldn't be doing drugs and 
because I, as I said before, because I felt that I wasn't doing anything wrong necessarily, I felt that my parents were wrong and I felt that they had a misunderstanding about drugs and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, so based off of that, I really just struggled a lot with building another relationship, a solid relationship with my parents after doing drugs and I try to find a way of replacing that relationship that I used to have with my parents and then I would obviously start to lean towards the friends that I was hanging around with because they were the closest people other than my parents that I had at that time and pretty much after my parents the relationship between my parents got damaged and I started hanging more hanging out more with my friends that were doing drugs as well. The relationship with my parents didn't get any better. And there was a side of me that really thought that I shouldn't be doing this or maybe something about me is wrong as well. But at the end of the day I didn't go ahead with those thoughts of mine. And I continued down the path, the just destructive path of doing drugs. And I'm not really caring too much about social life, like work life, study life, because I was still in school. And then, yeah, I started to run into trouble with the police. I think my first encounter with the police was when I was in year nine in high school. My friend had just gone to America and he had, it was his day to come back, it was the day that he was coming back to Australia and I had prepared a little gift for him and this gift was a few grams of marijuana and a few pills of uh, MDMA and it's pretty funny how I ended up having to deal with the police after I prepared this little gift for my friend. So on the way to school, I, as I usually do, I well, as I usually did, sorry, I would catch the train with my friends that I was close to. And on this particular day, as I was catching the train, there was one guy who was sitting pretty close to us and he overheard our conversation that I was having with my friends. And pretty much what I was discussing with them was that I had prepared this little gift and I was showing them off, I was showing off to them that I had these drugs on me and pretty much the guy heard me, the guy that was sitting close to us heard me and yeah he pretty much told, he stitched to the principal, the deputy principal at our school and that day when I got to school, my first class, I got called into the deputy principal's office and he told me to bring his bag, bring my bag and uh, yeah I didn't really think much of it because I was pretty high that day as well. <laughs> and I ended up not realizing that they were going to search my bag and yeah, it was a pretty rookie, rookie mistake, I'll say. And yeah, that was my first time running into the police. And I ended up getting two youth cautions in one day for having two different types of drugs, which I feel like is pretty unfair <laughs> for a little kid. I feel like they could have done a bit better, but yeah, that was like my first experience with the police. and. As I kept thinking that my parents were wrong and I didn't really have to change and I kept going down that, that dark path of mine, I ran into the police 
like trouble with the police a few more times later on. Um, for example, I ended up getting caught with a knife one time because I had mounted up a bit of debt, drug debt, drug money debt, and I was basically going out at night trying to make some money and I had a knife for self-protection and then I got stopped by the police that night and um, yeah they thought I was acting suspicious and I ended up having to come back to the police station with them and they figured out that I had a knife eventually and I ended up getting a caution for that as well and that was my third caution and usually in Australia when once you get your third caution you're meant to be charged with a criminal offence but I was lucky enough to be given a special youth caution and I got off with a special youth caution which didn't get added onto my caution list and also doesn't show up on my record but yeah that that didn't happen by the police I had to actually go to court for that and then the judge ended up ruling me as not guilty and yeah the caution and everything just disappeared so yeah that was my second dealing with the police and after that second dealing with the police was when things started to get a bit out of hand so that was I started to drugs and this was back in 2015 so three years into me doing drugs about three years into me doing drugs my friend had introduced me to selling drugs and by this time my social circle had become pretty big so I had a lot of connections that were doing drugs as well and uh, I saw a really good opportunity for me to make money and uh, yeah, so pretty much what happened was uh, my friend was going to China and he also passed on all of his customers to me and at that point I felt like I was I had a duty I had a duty to sell, start selling drugs and then yeah that's when I started selling drugs and at that point I started doing a whole lot more drugs because I had the money to do it eventually while I was selling drugs, around six months in, I ended up getting robbed. And yeah, that wasn't very nice. It made me very paranoid. Thought I was getting followed by people. You know, I thought people were out to kill me. And that was when I started experiencing my first sort of psychotic episodes. Um, I ended up seeing hallucinations. And I, saw, I remember vividly that one night I was trying to sleep and I kept seeing the word hell. Like, in my vision when I closed my eyes and yeah like I thought that at that time that I had been robbed because of because I would I had been doing so many bad things in life and that God had sort of sent a person to rob me as a message and I thought that when I saw the letters H-E-O written across my, my line of sight I thought that meant I was going to hell if I didn't repent and basically at that point that was a turning point in my life I really started to pray and I started to change my life around and then but the hallucination didn't stop and I ended up going to hospital for that and I ended up getting diagnosed with drug-induced psychosis and after getting diagnosed with drug-induced psychosis I had very conflicting thoughts in my head having these flashbacks of me thinking that it was okay for me to do drugs because I wasn't trying to hurt anybody 
I wasn't trying to do anything bad in my head. So, yeah, with these conflicting thoughts, I started to think like maybe God didn't send these people to rob me and it was just a normal event that occurred and that I was just being paranoid and stuff like that. But then this paranoia seemed so real to me. So I ended up flying to South Korea to escape from being killed because at that time I thought that they wouldn't follow me to South Korea and I would be safe there. And upon going to South Korea, I had my first hospitalization for psychosis and I stayed in hospital for about two months at that time. And then I came out, went to school and uh, after I went to school, that was when COVID hit. So yeah, so basically 2015 is when I started selling drugs. And then after selling drugs, three years later, sorry. Wait, the dates aren't adding up. Um, So, so I must have started selling drugs back in 2018 and then in 2019 was when I got robbed and then I went to Korea in 2019, the end of 2019 and then I went to, I got hospitalized and then pretty much what happened after I got hospitalized was that the doctor advised me to go to school in South Korea so I ended up going to school in South Korea and then COVID hit in 2020 and after, when COVID hit, I couldn't go back to my home country and I was still studying in, in Korea and when COVID hit, our school shut down so I had to stay at a friend or a, another student's place like their parents' place and while I was there, I started craving cigarettes a lot and I tried to go buy some cigarettes at a convenience store, like a couple of convenience stores and I got rejected at a few and Eventually, I was able to buy myself a pack of cigarettes and uh, I was really happy and then after I finished that one, that first packet, I remember I went to buy another packet at the same store and the same worker was working at that night and I obviously thought that the guy would sell to me again but unbeknownst to me, he was in a different mood that day and he decided not to sell to me and yeah I was pretty devastated because I was pretty drunk that night as well and uh, yeah I ended up going to the nearest shopping mall and I stole a knife a kitchen knife and then uh yeah I did the unthinkable and I ended up robbing the convenience store and the next the very next day I ended up getting caught because the other student that I was staying at his place. He ended up recognizing me in the photos, the wanted photos that the police had put up, even though I was wearing a mask. You could tell because we knew each other. And he ended up telling the, the older brother of the person who was working at the convenience store that night. And uh, yeah, he held me hostage until the police came and I was arrested on the spot. And yeah, I ended up going to prison for about three months in Korea. And yeah, it was, pretty, it was a pretty new experience, obviously, and it was pretty pretty daunting at first, but the people in jail were actually quite nice, and they treated me pretty well. Not saying that anyone should go there and try to experience that themselves, but the thing is, I came out of jail in three months, even though I committed aggravated robbery, because the victims ended up forgiving me. Yeah, I'm not too sure why they did that, but... 
Wow. Um, before we move forward, Ben, like that's quite a story. That's something that I think you could create like a Netflix show or something. <laughs> let's take a step back and let's talk about more about like your experience in the Korean justice system. Because obviously you were technically a foreigner when you committed the crime. So how did that process start out? And what right. was your like overall experience going through it all? While I was actually in prison, I was still psychotic at that time. And yeah, I feel like the whole reason why I actually went to prison that time was because um, I, ha- I started having the same thoughts as when I, was young- when I was younger. Just thinking that since I'm not trying to do anything wrong to anybody else, and even myself really, I was okay with doing whatever I wanted to do. And that was what compelled me to do, to, to commit the crime. And later on, I figured out that I was being psychotic by thinking that doing all the things that I've been doing was alright. Because obviously there's people out there that still oppose it to this day. So um, I ended up figuring that out, but because I couldn't figure that out in time, I ended up going to prison. And uh, yeah, while I was in prison, yeah, like as a foreigner, I don't think there was much prejudice against me. But definitely, I did get deported back to Australia. I feel like that was mainly because I was a foreigner. Yeah, but I do not have much of a thought on what the judges might have been thinking when they were you know, sentencing me or giving me my punishment. Yeah, but pretty much I'm still banned from going to Korea. And yeah, I think the Korean justice system just didn't really want to deal with me because I was a foreigner. Which I think it's a bit unfair because I was a Korean citizen before. I was born in South Korea, as I said, and I feel a bit, I feel a bit abandoned by my own country. And I, because when I was in jail, I was still psychotic. I had these paranoid, paranoid thoughts that like, if I was to tell people that I was psychotic, I would get sent into a psychiatric ward again. And I really had thought of that. And I, so I, I didn't tell my lawyer about it, but a few months ago, I talked to my parents about what happened during when I was in prison. And my parents actually told me that she had I told my lawyer that I was actually mentally ill and uh, yeah, even my lawyer didn't discuss that with the judges or anything like that so I feel like yeah I really did get abandoned in a sense because I was a foreigner and they just wanted to get me out of the country because the victim had already forgiven me and uh, yeah so yeah, that's pretty much what I have experienced in the Korean justice system yeah wow that was quite a story then very interesting stories how was it how was life in prison how was life in prison yeah so, Yes, actually, it was quite, it's quite, it's quite normal. Just there was no aspect of schooling or like work involved. Wake up in the mornings, you actually get a wake up call. The guards, the, the prison guards, actually come knocking on your doors at around six a.m. sharp. And by before the the prison guards actually come, you have to be up in the morning. They will play an announcement and a song in the morning for you to wake up, like an alarm. And uh, yeah, you have to pack away all your bedding and stuff like that because we would actually sleep all on the floor and we'll be packed in this prison cell mm. like sardines mm. just sleeping crisscrossed on the uh, floor so like in the dramas <laughs> yeah yeah and like we had our own sleeping bags and stuff like that and uh, we didn't have pillows so we had to make our own make- makeshift pillows mm. uh, out of like water bottles like <laughs> water bottles and like we covered that in like a towel and then make a pillow out of that and then uh, yeah once we wake up in the mornings um we couldn't lie down during the day. I'm not sure how it is in like American prisons or like other prisons worldwide, but in Korea, they, they're very adamant on teaching you etiquette. And uh, obviously no one would be sleeping during the day or no one should be sleeping during the day because I think that's very not productive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you couldn't sleep during the day and 
they had designated times for each lots of cells to do exercise during the day. So we could do a bit of exercise and run around in the in the, the little exercise area and they had a little bit of working out machines and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, they had, they had a bath time every once a week. And you could actually order food that you could buy in like a convenience store in the prison because uh, you had like your own wallet in prison. Any money that you have would be kept in this wallet. It's like a digital wallet. And whatever you order would be minus from that account. And uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah, like that was pretty much my life in prison. There wasn't any bad thing about prison. It was more or less just like a time for me to recover from my mental illness. Yeah, and reflect on what I had done. Yeah, and like, other than that, yeah, there wasn't really much more to it. Yeah. Do you think the three months did help you overall? Yeah, I definitely think that if I hadn't gone to prison, then I wouldn't have realized that I'm not trying to do anything wrong. There are people out there who are worried from what I do. So if I was to do drugs, right, drugs may be harmful and whatnot. I thought that because it's only harming me and not others, like what can the others say about it to me? Yeah, it's my choice. And that's what made me think that it wasn't, it was okay for me to do. But then, you know, it's still illegal at the end of the day and I shouldn't be doing it, is what people say. Yeah, I guess I was really starting like a war inside my head against all of these people that were opposed against what I was doing. And yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's what happened, yeah. How were the other people in your prison dorm? Did you speak with them? Did you make any friends there? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit... It's a bit hazy because I was still psychotic in prison. So like, I was doing a lot of random things inside there, like trying to like, make connections with people and like, continue with my criminal life and stuff like <laughs> that. But then, right before I got out, I had this like, revelation that, oh, what if I'm not doing this? Or what if I shouldn't be doing this actually? And like, I ended up like rubbing out all the numbers that I had in my contact book. <laughs> and then, so yeah, it was, I guess the people inside, they weren't really that bad. Yeah. They were inside for some quite serious crimes, but overall, like the character didn't seem too bad. Maybe they were just acting nice because they wanted to get out of prison early as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a bit cautious in that sense. I didn't really want to trust them too much. Yeah, but yeah, like, I don't know if I should be discussing much about what the people had done inside of the prison, mm. but uh, there was one rapist. He was like a year older than me. Oh wow. Yeah, so he was quite young. Yeah. And I remember we had our sentencing court date on the same day. Yeah, the prosecution had come up with a proposed sentencing. And yeah, on that day when we were getting sentenced, that guy that had raped a few children actually, a few little girls who were aged around like, like, like 10 years old. Yeah, he ended up getting seven years in prison. Oh. Yeah, and then um, luckily I got out in three three months. Like after that sentencing period, I got sentenced to, I got sentenced to about. So I got two years probation, and then I got deported back to Australia, and I had five years travel ban into Korea. But yeah, after I got sentenced, I came back into the little holding cell, and yeah, the the guy, the rapist guy, he was in tears. And I really felt sorry for him in a sense because like. Now, I do know that there are people out there who get those urges to do those sort of things and like I feel like the justice system needs a bit of reworking in some ways and to support the people who end up getting involved with the justice system and I felt like that for a lot of the people inside prison because they were really nice people or it seemed like they were on the surface and yeah like pretty much 
Yeah, like the people in prison, unless they were like hardened criminals or like murderers or, or something like that, like generally speaking, they were, they were quite nice. Yeah. Wow, that's sorry. They made me have a lot of <clears throat> different like thoughts about For like, sure. Yeah, about like how the justice system like could be changed and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's another topic that we can talk about on a different day. Yeah. I think for the first episode today, we've covered quite a bit of ground. Yeah. Thank you for coming. And yeah, we hope to talk again soon. Yeah.